Victor Anthony Scotty Jr. is a corporate maverick turned texture-centric stylist. He is currently finishing his cosmetology school at the Aveda Institute in Arlington, where he's focusing his career uh, around ensuring everyone has the space to feel beautiful. Today, we're going to hear how what he's doing, where how he's got there, and uh, get into the mind and hearts of our future rising stylist. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes, and I am your host. And today, I am with Victor Anthony Scotty Jr. How are you doing today, Victor? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, yeah, I... I uh, so a little background for anybody listening or watching, and I met Victor at the Aveda Institute Arlington when I showed up for career, well, not for a career, for just a guest speaker day. And uh, we connected and I asked him if he would be interested in coming on the show. And uh, you, you said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, I thought I'd be a good place to start with like, um, you know, one part of your story inside of the inside of the introduction was the corporate maverick turned texture centric mm -hmm. stylist. Yes, that's the part that I'm I'm so curious about. Um, you know, you had a history before uh, getting into hair. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like what were you doing before and what caused you to, you know, make the shift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here um, and really excited for our conversation today. Um, yeah, it's quite a pivot. Um, so I'll just kind of back up by saying I was born and raised in Chicago. Um, I come from a family of educators. Um, for those that don't know, Chicago is very uh, racially segregated, um, actually one of the most segregated cities um, in America. I mentioned that because um, between growing up in Chicago and also education, that's what really got me thinking about equity um, and access. And so um, have moved from totally different spaces um, and lived in a lot of different places, but that mission for me has always remained the same for folks to be able to feel their best uh, and be able to do uh, their best work. Um, so I went to the University of Pennsylvania um, in Philadelphia, I'm majoring in sociology and urban education. So I've always wanted to work with people um, and really thinking through um, like people and their backgrounds and circumstances and how that really shapes, you know, who they are and how they come to be um, who they are. And so um, that led me to corporate America. Um, so I worked at Google in two different stints um, and also Netflix and um, in the myriad of roles that I've had at both places, they all were at the intersection of human resources, student development programming, um, and also uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I do consider myself a diversity, equity, inclusion practitioner. Um, I spent 10 years in that space. I had amazing experiences. Um, those are great companies that offer a ton. Um, but I found that I wasn't really able to fully express my creativity. Um, I, I did great work. I loved what I did, but I knew that there was more to do. Um, and I found that in those spaces, um, just the way that American businesses work, there's a lot of conformity. There's a lot of, you know, cookie cutter solutioning. Um, and so I knew that it was time to do something different um, and really exercise my talent in different ways. 
as I was thinking through that, um, the tech layoffs hit. So in January of 2023, um, I remember waking up to an email um, that said I was laid off um, from my current company. Um, and so honestly, you know, as soon as it happened, I didn't know what I would do next, but I knew that it was a blessing. Um, and it sounds strange to to even recall but at that time I'm like I have no idea what I'm gonna do thank God for this severance let me tell my husband but this is a blessing um I remember thinking about things um in that order as I was literally thinking through what I was gonna do but also taking time for rest and self-care and all those things my husband and I literally started um doing hair or bannequins I cannot remember where that idea came from um, but it was something that we could do together. It was something that was fun. We would like watch Netflix and just do all these things. And after a while, you know, it was really him. Um, shout out to Gary. Uh, and he said, you know, you're really good at this. Like, have you considered, you know, something that is a bit more creative uh, to do professionally? And I'm like, you know, I hadn't considered it. Like it sounded so far from, you know, where I'd been. Um, but he has a best friend who's a stylist and who's also an Aveda alum. Um, so I chatted with her. Um, I visited, you know, different hair schools in the area um, and then decided to to take that leap. So I've been at Aveda in Arlington for about uh, seven months now. Um, so before we were recording, I was saying, I think we met when I was in the first phase of the program and now I'm starting phase four tomorrow. Um, so time moves, you know, so fast, um, but delving into this industry has just been a blast. Um, I've gotten a chance to connect more deeply with friends and family, you know, through caring for their hair, really sharing energy and space with new guests, you know, that I meet, um, and also learning from educators and influencers. I think that is such a dynamic industry. Um, you are like, you are your own business, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you are, you can be an educator, um, you can be an influencer, right? We're all artists. Um, and so all these things that I've thought about in various capacities, um, and, and it was really hard for me, I think, as a young person, but even as I was working in corporate um, to really kind of nailed down, like, here's exactly what I want to do. I want to do a number of things. And so I feel really blessed um, to have found the beauty industry, because um, it's not only something that I have such a deep personal connection to, as I think about how I've evolved in terms of beauty and self-care and wellness in my own expression, but also being able to really help other folks, you know, tell their stories, um, you know, through their hair and through wellness. Um, and I think that the sky is truly the limit. Um, and I'm really excited um, to, to get this start and to be here. Nice, nice. So tell me, um, tell our, or tell us what is when you like the term maverick, what mm -hmm. is the term? I just want to dig into this to like kind of increase the context a little bit. Uh, what is like the term maverick mean to you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, to me, a maverick is a leader, um, is a change agent. Um, is someone that thinks about uh, things differently than than maybe we thought about them before, um, who's not afraid to you know to stand up and say, here's what I think. 
Um, here, here's what might be a good, you know, opportunity for us. Um, and that's always, I always felt compelled <laughs> and, and I guess like called during my time, you know, in that space um, to, to speak up um, and to be exactly who I am. That wasn't without challenges, um, but I think that I really do believe that through those 10 years, like I think I was able to do phenomenal work and connected with multiple companies in different ways. But I think the point of that time was to really help me find my own voice, to find it, to refine it, um, and to be able to, you know, enter into the space that I'm in now, not only just cosmetology school or just the industry, um, but, you know, who I am um, within myself. And so I... Um, that, that's what I think of when I think of the term maverick. And I think that especially someone who's, who identifies as uh, Black, um, as genderqueer, I think it's important to, to voice that um, and for everyone's perspective to, you know, to be heard and to be recognized, but especially those that are underrepresented and or marginalized. Um, so I also feel that that is a responsibility, you know, that I have as well. Um, and so when I also think of what it means to be a maverick, um, I think it means, you know, really taking up that responsibility and acting on it in whatever way possible. Nice. So uh, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that you're you want to bring that into your that's part of your brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you kind of as you finish as you go through this, like uh, you know, you have uh, you just told me before we started that you have to have one more. Uh, what is, are they levels uh, at Aveda? What are they? It's five different phases. Phases. Yeah, each phase is 10 weeks. So I have, I'm entering into the fourth one and then I have another one left. So about 20 weeks total. So when you, at, at, at this point, um, I know that when we introduced you, it was, you said texture centric stylist. Mm -hmm. um, where did you, like, how did that happen? Is, I mean, cause it, I mean, the obvious and it might be an obvious answer because of everything you just explained. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I still want to give you the chance to, if if there's more to the story there, and you know specifically because because I would imagine that you go in and uh, you start learning, and um, you know how has your education impacted uh, this um, this desire to make change and bring inclusivity and uh, represent. Uh, people who don't have that represent representation uh, how how has school impacted like you so far yeah that's a that's an interesting question because it's one that I think a lot about I think that um, I'm 33 and so um, I can't speak for all cosmetology schools but I know that in my cohort for example I'm definitely the oldest person <laughs> but I think within the school I'm like one of the oldest folks who are students and I only mention age not as a proxy for experience necessarily or ways of thinking but literally for me because I've had varying experiences and so um, what I quickly recognized, um, and I also want to say that all views are my own, um, and, you know, in general, and I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone um, or any institution but myself. Um, I think that we need to 
talk more about inclusivity and not only talk about it, but also be about it and teach it. I think this the beauty industry and cosmetology school in general is one of those spaces where we literally can action equity. That's what I love actually about this phase of my journey and my life. I felt like in corporate America, we talked about it a lot. <laughs> I think we held ourselves to, to goals that I think that as an industry, and I was in the tech industry, we won't meet for a long time, but I actually feel like I can action equity and inclusivity in my interactions with my guests and what that experience looks like. You know, am I respecting their pronouns? Am I even asking, right? Um, are they neurodiverse in different ways? And am I being respectful of that? Um, so in terms of texture, number one, um, I, I always thought of like, it would be a shame <laughs> to graduate cosmetology school and not be able to do, you know, folks hair that looks like me. Um, because I, I should start by saying, other than those mannequins that my husband and I played with, I had not done hair before. So I know a lot of people come to cosmetology school with varying journeys. Um, I've heard a lot of, you know, I've been doing hair my whole life. I had it. And so for me, um, there's also a personal element in there as well. I'm like, I want to be able to care for my own hair, um, you know, but, but folks who look like me as well. I think that... Um, the curriculum is very focused on straight hair, I think, which um, is a proxy for whiteness, if I'm being honest. And so um, there is such a vast, um, uh, there's such a vast world, right? Like beyond whiteness and beyond, um, you know, straight hair. And I think that it is the responsibility of our industry to you know best prepare stylists to be able to service everyone right so we can't talk about texture but not teach you know what that looks like and i think in a lot of ways not teaching it or not being on state board exams reifies you know the fact that you know texture is challenging or you know, this sense of overwhelm, or I just don't know what to do. Um, you know, hair is hair, right? And so, um, and hair requires different things. All straight hair isn't the same. And so, um, you know, for me, I think that it is important to, um, again, for folks who have varying experiences, I think in beauty spaces, um, not only just Black folks, but for me um, as a Black, you know, gender queer person. Um, so, you know, going to a salon, right, for example, for these passion twists I have, and then also a barbershop for, you know, my sides and my back and my beard, right? So number one, it's really hard to find a stylist who can do all of that at one time. <laughs> so I want to be that person for other folks like me, um, but then also be able to provide an inclusive experience, you know, at the same time, because Black folks or, you know, folks who might identify with textured hair are not a monolith either. Um, you know, so for me, it's in recognition, uh, like me being a texture-centric stylist is really in recognition of, you know, the fact that, you know, who we are, naturally um, is beautiful, um, is deserving of care, 
um, is deserving of someone who knows about the health um, of our hair, but also all hair, and at the same time can provide um, an experience that, you know, sets the conditions for folks to feel as beautiful and as well um, as they're able to be. Nice, nice. I love this. You, you know, you have definitely spent quite a bit of time, uh, you know, thinking about it, it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciate that in-depth, in-depth answer. So would you say that uh, people in school are uh, like your cohorts or with your uh, fellow students and uh, rising stylists? Uh, do you all talk about that a lot? Absolutely. Is that a um, thing? Yeah, we absolutely talk about it a lot. I think that, you know, being on um, the clinic floor, I think that we talk about it a lot because we're experiencing it. So um, there are folks in my class who focus on um, locks. You know, there are folks who, you know, love texture all around and are open to learning new things. I'm one of those people. Um, There are a lot of people in my specific cohort who also want to focus, you know, specifically on texture after, you know, graduation in their salons or in their suites or whatever it is that they pursue. So, um, yeah, so we talk about it in my cohort and, you know, at my school at Aveda um, a great deal, not only just amongst the students, but also amongst the educators as well. Um, And I think over time that has influenced us having um, a textured mannequin in our kit um, Aveda does have a number of fantastic resources from the texture, the global texture team. Um, so I think having um, having that education available within the curriculum is helpful. Um, and educators who who uh, I would say their specialty is texture, and those who know how to do you know all hair. And so I think you know, being in that environment and then, you know, us being able to have those conversations as students, as students and educators um, does help, I think, to not only push our learning and push our thinking, but I think ultimately once we enter into, you know, the industry at large, push the industry as well. So sounds to me like uh, you might want to consider um checking out like state board um, meetings and mm. sitting in on those and uh, figuring out like, cause it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just, I, what I hear, what I hear is that there's action in your life, uh, in your future that mm-hmm. to impact the industry. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. And, um, and so that's something that I, I got to sit in on my first state board and, you know, they talk about a lot of stuff. You get to hear what other people are doing. Um, yeah. You get to have your voice heard. Um, so be, so there's that. And then there's also just education in general. I also, and I also uh, would predict that there's education in your life as, as a teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, so, so that uh, so this is exciting. This must be exciting. Are you have you looked at uh, like looking at salons? Are you thinking about going out on your own as as like a suite owner, a suite renter, or something? Like, uh, what is your thought? What are your thoughts for like immediate like coming out of school immediately? Yeah, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, and I think that I've gone through different iterations of what that answer is. Uh, so. Coming into cosmetology school, 
I was open to a salon, but leaning towards a suite um, because I I love people, but I think sometimes I tell myself that like I'm an introvert in these space, which is true, <laughs> but I truly love people. And I actually think that like being on the clinic floor and being in cosmetology school has helped solidify that for me um, because I think that because I get to actually do my art in community, there's something really special about that. So part of it is that I have changed, I think since entering this journey, but yeah, I was thinking a lot about like, it'd be great to have my own space, to do my own thing, you know, to attract my own clients clientele that doesn't scare me the prospect of building my own clientele it's actually um a great challenge for me and I think about challenges you know in multiple ways and so that's where I was entering into school as I began like talking to different salons different salon owners I've met some really dope people who are pushing the industry in so many ways um from everything from, you know, genderless offerings, which I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate for, um, salons who are salaried, um, who are providing benefits, um, who, you know, truly outline like what that path looks like in terms of growth, those that offer apprenticeships and education. Um, so I think a couple of things were happening. I think one of the things is I'm like, oh, some of y'all are speaking a language that is ingrained in me being a corporate person. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, with that in general. Um, so that was cool. But then I also, you know, didn't know the ways in which the industry was growing, um, you know, just growing up and being proximate to stylists just through like my mom and my sister and kind of like stories and particularly the black community I knew it was something that was very creative um that you could be you know really independent but even folks who are at a salon it seemed very much like you are your brand which I think can be true at the same time but I was pleasantly surprised to understand you know the different things that people are doing at their salons to not only make the environment more inclusive but for it to actually be a team atmosphere and really think about like the success and the holistic health of the salon itself as opposed to those individuals so I think through talking to some folks you know in the D area and really and also really taking some time to really sit and think about like what would I need to be successful um, I actually would love to go into a salon right after uh, school now I think that um, I still want to be a salon owner one day um, I want to be a platform artist I want to be a key artist in tv and film um, I didn't even know you could sit in on state board but I want to do that from a policy perspective I want to get in on this conversation about texture and all of that so I still want to do a number of different things and I will always be that person but I think it could be really cool to be in a salon and learn and grow um, not only in my art, but also in terms of what it looks like to run a salon, um, what it looks like to hire, retain, um, and incentivize a staff, right? Especially a group of artists. So, so that's where I'm leaning immediately following uh, school. Nice, nice. And um, have you reached out to any salons and uh, gone into like shadow or explore what that would look mm -hmm. like or anything 
I have. Um, so I'm somebody who's not shy to reach out. So <laughs> as soon as I started at Aveda, I was reaching out to folks and was like shadowing when I was still in like phase one. Um, so I have been in a number of different salons in the area. It's been a really cool experience to understand just the differences. You know, some are super chill, some have a lot going on, right? And offer multiple, you know, multiple services, not only in hair, but also skincare and, you know, all types of things. Some are, you know, right in the mix of things in DC, others are kind of remote. Um, so, so yes, I've not only reached out, but gotten a chance to really shadow, which was really invaluable before I hit the clinic floor. Um, so for any other rising stylists watching this, um, who aren't on the floor yet, and, and maybe, you know, like me, I definitely didn't have clients because I hadn't touched a real head yet. Um, so I know some people are already doing their own thing and I didn't grow up doing hair. That was a really cool experience because I got to shadow and not only see what the vibe was like and all of that, but they even let me like shampoo, you know, and really kind of understand um, what was going on, which which was just an awesome um, experience. And so and so I'm definitely still keeping in touch um, with those salons and and really at the top of the year, looking forward to, you know, kind of activating and saying, okay, like, you know, what is it that we might be able to do, you know, come April and, and post-licensure? Nice, awesome. Well, this is a, this is great chance. To, I feel like we've done a done a pretty decent job at like getting your story and figuring out who, like if I was, uh, if I was someone out there that was scouting for, you know, a stylist or an, an apprentice, uh, then I would I would feel like I would have gotten enough to know if if, uh, you know, first all is would do would you even like consider um, my salon a good fit or not? I feel like mm -hmm. I would I feel like you've given us like at least a that level of information um and i like that you included like your experience and your recommendation to to go out and check out like uh future potential salons i'm i really i'm a real big fan of going in and shadowing yeah. um so i think uh i really want to get into hearing how you and your your uh your um your fellow students talk about the industry when they talk about salons and i want to get into some like nitty gritty details on that because that that is also like in addition to getting to know uh rising stylist and hearing uh what the future is thinking about uh bringing into the industry it's also the all the other thing is also like salon owners uh who are have a business they are they have found that it's it's been a challenge in communicating and really figuring out how to adjust or adapt mm. to rising stylist expectations and uh, and what can they do to better communicate or better connect with and even better like run their business by ensuring that they can hire and retain uh, rising stylists. But I do think that that I would like to save that for the next time we we get a chance to talk. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your story and I'm really excited to watch you on your journey. And uh, I definitely plan on staying in touch with you for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up, you've given one piece of advice. Uh, if you would like 
uh, or you could think of anything you'd like to say to someone that's coming behind you as a rising stylist or a salon owner who's reading, who's hearing this and being like, God, I'd love to have you come into the shop. Uh, is there any last things that you'd like to sign off, say by signing off? Yeah, for sure. I would say for other rising stylists, um, just reach out. Uh, like reach out to salon owners that you're interested in. Um, reach out to folks that work there um, on Instagram. I'm also one that takes a ton of like classes through like BTC University and uh, a lot of companies like L'Oreal and, and folks like that have free classes. Take advantage of those opportunities. And if someone is doing something that is interesting to you, reach out. The worst that they can do is not respond. Um, but so many folks have responded to me and I've made amazing connections um, that are invaluable just as I'm moving forward and have really helped me kind of understand what it is that I want to do. So I would say that to rising stylists. I would say for salon owners, but also just, you know, hair designers with experience. I also think that it's important um, like to connect with your local beauty schools. I think that, um, I know we'll get into, you know, kind of the industry and all of that, but I think that there is a big difference and perhaps a disconnect between cosmetology school, you know, and what it looks like to actually be a stylist in a salon. And I actually think that we can bridge that gap a bit more, but I think it's gonna take both parties, not only students, but also owners and experienced artists to kind of come together and figure out what that looks like and figure out what we can infuse in cosmetology schools, but also what we can learn from schools that are happening in salons so that, you know, we can bridge that that chism, that gap um, a bit more. So I would tell y'all to, you know, reach back out, you know, to the schools that you went to or those in the area and see how you can be of assistance. Nice. Awesome. Well, Thank you again, and um, I look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. See you next time. All right. See ya.